Do you know someone who is reckless or careless? Maybe someone who brags that can't back it up. Are you willing to take shots at them? Then this is the show for you. Welcome to Cowboy Season. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome back to Cowboy Season for those returning. For those new, thank you so much for joining us. I'm your co-host, Matty Ice, and with me as always is Cleve. How you doing out there, my man? I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, surviving allergy season. Thank God. <laughs> fingers, fingers and toes crossed. It's just been it's been mild, but uh, I know I, how I can get. And again, we just kind of scratched the surface. It's only April, so we'll see how May goes. Oh, yeah. So um, we took a little bit of a hiatus. I think our personal lives got uh, a little bit busy. I know for you on the training front, uh, more and more people getting vaccinated. The weather's getting nicer out here on a more consistent basis. So uh, as Jim Ross used to say, business has picked up uh, yeah. for you, my yeah. man. So congrats to you on that. I know the last year has been uh, a little stressful on that front with uh, people being a lot less uh, social, a lot less uh, you know, out there in the world due to the pandemic and other things too. So mm-hmm. um, that's got to feel, that's got to feel pretty good. Yeah. 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 It's good. And again, you know, for those on the sound of our voices, um, getting out and getting some, getting some movement, getting some sun, activity levels going up, weather's getting warmer. Uh, it only helps your, you know, social and and your um, your well being, so to speak. So definitely try to get some exercise if you can. I'm totally with you. Um, I have been absolutely loving the way that things have been here in Virginia. The last, I mean, outside of we're getting some rainy days here or there, which is to be expected in the early time of spring, but. Uh, this weekend we got the 80 on Friday, I think. Yeah. And I can't, I know. And like, I know for me, uh, I I'm like on rainy days now, I'm, I feel kind of screwed because it's like, I don't want to work out indoors unless I'm doing some boxing stuff. And because we're meeting, you know, twice a week, uh, virtually now it's like on a Wednesday, a rainy Wednesday, I don't necessarily want to not be outside. Like I would Absolutely. prefer to go for like a four mile walk at lunchtime or something like that because I just need that friggin' fresh Absolutely. air. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Just Ugh. it's good. It's good for everything. People don't people don't realize um how your your mood is affected by how you feel, how your how your 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 energy is levels are up and down depending on how you're feeling. But obviously getting a good workout, get those endorphins in. You, you know, you're an avid runner. Mm-hmm. You tell me about that runner's high all the time and just being out there in the wind. It's just you and your thoughts, you know? You want to you wanna know something? Uh, I never experienced the runner's high in my entire life. Like, I don't know really? what the fuck these people are talking about. Um, <laughs> the high for me was the freedom of it. Like, the for, for me, uh, for those of you who, who haven't listened to my show, uh, I talk a lot about my my journey through weight loss and fitness and you know there was a time in my life where I weighed significantly more than I do now um, and was no, not active and so forth and you know, over the course of time I became a marathon runner multiple times over uh, and it really transformed my life. I don't do it now because I have arthritis in my hip and I'm still trying to work back from that which Cleve is helping me with um, and you know like the high for me was the fact that I was in control of my destiny with it uh the only opponent was me there was no there, there was nothing that you couldn't take into account like you either didn't do enough of your homework or you did and when you showed up like i knew when i showed up on race day how i was gonna feel like mm-hmm. very very rarely was i not clued into what was gonna happen that day now as you know your body takes 
uh, you know, turns and twists sometimes, and you can't really predict it. Even even though you feel like you're at your peak, uh, mm-hmm. some days you just don't have it. I mean, I remember training and training and training for Marine Corps Marathon, and it ended up being a personal best, but that was despite the fact I had to <laughs> go to the bathroom five miles in. I lost my chance. I got tripped by a wheelchair. Oh, and it turns out I had a fever during the whole thing. Wow. So um, yeah. I found that out the next day when I broke a fever overnight. And so you can feel as if everything is going your way. And you see this in boxing all the time where it's like, I had a great camp. Just yeah, didn't have can't, it today. Can't have an off night. <laughs> that, that could be contention or title. Not in so, that sport anyway. Cause that could be a yeah. life. That, that could be your life too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So do you, uh, you know, do you take pride in the fact that you have a direct, uh, a direct ability to sort of possibly change people's lives in the way that I actively changed mine because I had an incident and I took action on it. And I know for a lot of people, if you're listening and you're, you have dealt with this or you are dealing with this and you've told me about some clients of yours where it's not easy for them to just pull the trigger, to flip the switch and sort of be active in their own health in that way. They need some kind of an advocate, somebody who can help them get jump started. Um, when you do have that connection with somebody who you, you know, get to, like, you know, you, mm-hmm. you get to them, like, I would assume that that's got to be one of the highest senses of satisfaction for you, um, as a human being, let alone a trainer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, the, um, you know, we've all had, um, anything in life, anything that you, that you wanted, you, you know, you wanted to buy a home, you went to buy a car, you wanted to, uh, get a, um, certification or something like that I, you know you know the sacrifice that you have to make and i kind of equate those things to health and fitness i uh i always leave with a, a little quip about what's your favorite like what's your favorite car like for you matt what's your like what's your dream car you can afford it no problems what's your dream car oh god um i'm not really a car guy this is this is kind of tough uh, i would probably go for something like um either an old school aston martin or um, like a 60s, uh, 60s Mustang, you know, one of those okay. like, Shelby Mustangs or whatever. I can't drive either of them. I don't have the balls to drive either of them. <laughs> but if I but if I did that exercise, you talked about the Bill Gates wallet and I could buy Apache helicopters and shit, I'd yeah. probably go out and find something like that, you know. Um, so there you go. Okay. So I give you the keys to this car and I tell you, hey, Matt, Here's the catch. You get this car, but you only get this car for the rest of your life. You cannot own another car after this. This is it. The rest of your life, right? However long that is. And you say to yourself, okay, well, now I got to take care of this car. I got to get the oil changed when I'm supposed to. I got to rotate the tires, change out stuff, make sure all the fluids are running, right? You only get one body for the rest Mm -hmm. of your life. You're born into it and you have to take care of it. And people don't realize, like, we'll go out and spend money on a pair of heat. Yep. And it's no problem. You know, you'll drop three, four hundred dollars on a pair of heat, but then you're you're hedging like, okay, lettuce is on sale this week or it's not, and I can't afford that. And I'm looking at this person like, so you can you can make time and you make you know make means for anything that you really want. You know, mm-hmm. it's just how you look at it. And when it comes to health and wellness, I honestly it's one of the things that I don't well, within reason, I I don't spare any expense. You know, if by if paying an extra dollar for something is more beneficial than me paying less, yeah. I look at I'm either gonna pay this doctor or, or I'm gonna <laughs> not pay this doctor in in the long run. So, you know, I always tell people to you know do that. Now, going back to your original question, now 
for me, when someone achieves something like losing 10 pounds or they achieve the lifting where they're lifting a little heavier now or their aerobic capacity has been vastly increased because we're doing boxing or some kind of um, less, less impactful cardiovascular work, it's a win for me because I'm like, see, this is what this is what you can do. And sometimes people kind of need to be nudged to the edge to look over the edge and be like, oh, okay, the view is not that bad. You know, it's bad, but it's not, it's not terrifying. Mm -hmm. So I try to, I try to keep it in real terms, like, you know, one meal in one direction doesn't make you the most healthiest person in the world. One meal, one bad meal in the other direction doesn't make you a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. It's basically, you know, get back on a horse for the next meal and you're, and you're good to go. Um, there's a, um, Fitness has been introduced to me since I was like a little kid, right? And I, I hate running. So I think I've told you this many times and I've probably spoken to some on the manual. I hate running. Running, I have to be running towards something or away from something. Like I, that's how I look at running, to or from. But I do find, I do find solace in just being out for like a nice long walk mm -hmm. or a nice paced walk where I can take in things. I can I can kind of just be by myself and 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 you know and relate to that. And for some people, it's finding something within fitness that is just yours. It's your it's your go to. It's your you know you want to do that. I told you I have the email that you sent me mm -hmm. uh, many moons ago when you were I think you were on your honeymoon. I was Jamaica. Yeah, I think I was like, even eating a pizza or nachos or some shit, and I emailed you, <laughs> living my best life. <laughs> so you wanted to try something new in your in your wheelhouse, something that you know that you had interest in, and you immediately took a love to it, and it became yours. It became something that you look forward to. I look forward to working with you with it. And you know, for those speaking, it's boxing. Um, Matt is the kind of person that when he gets involved in something that I've, since I've known him, like he puts every energy that he has into that to learn about the nuances, to learn about the history of it, to learn about the benefits and the detriment of what he's getting himself into to the point where he's probably been the best person I've had in the last decade on how the training he's taking the training on and he loves it and he looks forward to doing it. Um, but again, it's very hard for people to find that, that, that thing. And we all get on the horse and we fall off, you know, and when we fall off, it's a reset. And for some people, they got to realize, oh, my God, I was doing so good two years ago. The pandemic hit and a lot mm -hmm. of people are like in a place where they were or a place that they were before they were. Yeah. Crazy. So um, you're so thank you, by the way. Um, you're right about that with me is that um, when I get into something, I get into something because I'm somebody who feels like no matter what it is, um, you shouldn't half ass it. And I think it's to my detriment sometimes because I can get a little all consumed with certain things. But like with running, for instance, I was able to make an emotional connection with what it was doing to my body seeing the improvements like going for a training run that was intentionally supposed to uh, mimic like a race pace because like in running when you're training for marathons you're not going all out all the time it's very similar to boxing where it's like you're not sparring every single day of fight camp because you'd get clipped and you would never make it to the fight right like yeah. you do that sporadically to simulate fight action to get yourself in the mindset of having an opponent thinking through things you know all that kind of stuff 
And with running, you're a lot of times you're running slower than you intend to run because you're trying to build mileage on that body. You're trying to train your muscles to be used to the constant motion, motion, motion. Because as mm -hmm. you know, humans are not really built to run long distances the way that they were, right? When the world was so much less built up now, people didn't have to walk short distances places, right? They had to, mm -hmm. move, you know, they, we're just not built to do that anymore. And a lot of it is training your body and also training your mind to mentally overcome what is ending what you're going to hit a physical wall like everybody talks about it and it's happened to me every time and you have to just push through and a lot of times when i would you know go for a run it's like going for a slower run than what i know is like my normal pace it was relaxing it's like mm -hmm. i don't have to go balls to the walls here i just have to kind of re you know have the bare minimum you get up you know in the morning it's nice out and it's just you and whatever it is that you want to think about sometimes i'd have a partner and that was fine it was a nice change up change up but um I connected with that, right? I connect with the things that I like. I, the reason why I've become so into the sneaker world is because I realized there was different pathways to success of what you, whatever it is that you want. You don't have to spend $400 on heat and sacrifice something else in your life, which far too many people do. Another, yeah. another discussion in and of itself. <laughs> um, but with the fitness world, well, with like health, it is interesting because you bring a great analogy about the car. Most people don't think of their bodies in that way. They think of their bodies as not, like I, I, we take it for granted in some strange way. Mm -hmm. And we almost in some ways feel as if our bodies are disposable at times. Yeah. And it's a really strange disconnect that we make. Um, excuse me, what do you think it is about that? Like, why do you think we do that? Is it because we're not, like, I feel that you and I have an appreciation for because we have now had incidences in our lives that have made us appreciate the finality of all of this. Mm -hmm. Right? Like we both had near death episodes. You've mm -hmm. had, I think, more than, I think you've had, not heart attacks, but like you've had incidences mm -hmm. you know, where things are like, whoa, I can't believe that went that way. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that adds a little bit of connection to the whole thing for us but a lot of people don't have that so do you think that's the disconnect or do you you know what do you think is the reason why we don't treat our our bodies the way we would treat our favorite car knowing that we that's the only one we can ever get i think we take it for granted um for one that we have time that people say you know I, my dad used to always tell us there's no one day or some day in the week those two days don't exist you know, one day I'll do that or someday, you know, some someday I get around to doing that. And it takes, like you said, it takes to go into the doctor's office to get that initial weigh in or, you know, you get your blood pressure checked or you get your cholesterol checked. Or you get a blood test and then all of a sudden you're like, hey, we need to sit down. It's like taking a, I'll take a card for like an oil change and like, yeah. hey, we changed the oil. But by the way, you got like a ton of stuff going on. You're like, I didn't really come here for that. Um, that's like an extra thousand bucks I wasn't planning on spending. I'll pay the $49 and I'm on my way. People kind of do that. People kind of think that, oh, you know what? I'll get around to doing it until they can't, until it's too late, until they're on a ton of medication, which makes it doubly hard to kind of mm -hmm. kind of get through a, a thing. Um, I think that it's very important that parents uh, teach the teach their children about um, the benefits and, and the the necessity of physical fitness, of being being active. You know, when I was a kid, we went outside. We played sandlot baseball, mm -hmm. uh, played, you know, football in, in, in the backyard, a ton of stuff, you know, played basketball, you know, at the, at the local YMCA. Those things are not as prevalent now. I don't think so. Like, there's some places in the country where you can go yeah. and drive by and, you know, there's some kids hooping or whatever. But 
the technology age as it exists, it makes our lives, everyone's life so easier, so much easier. Yep. Think of like, think of, I enjoy, and I'm a weirdo with this. When I go grocery shopping, I take my time to, you know, I have a list obviously, but I take my time to read the labels of what it is. I'm looking for price cuts, obviously, like anyone to get a good deal. But I don't just go in and buy what's on sale because it's on sale because it mm-hmm. could be not good for me. But the other thing about it is that I had a friend, have a friend that like orders ahead, shows up, picks it up in the parking lot and drives off. Mm-hmm. I get it. It saves a ton of time and you, you know, get about your day and, you know, it's a day off. You want to enjoy every hour that you have. I get that. I totally, I'm not against that, but I'm saying our lives are so much easier now for things to be done. You know? Yeah. If you go yeah. to the doctor, they tell you, Hey, you know what? Um, I'm put you on this medication. You're like, well, should I just lose some weight first? You know, and that might help you. And it's like, you know what? Let's say put you on the diet for let's say six weeks. If no, if there's no change in anything, then we're gonna have to recommend, you know, medication. That should yeah. kind of be the thing, you know. Yeah, I agree. That happened with me with my hip, where I was in so much pain and I didn't understand it, and it got progressively worse. And when I first started talking with the doctors about it, they're like, well, you know, you could seriously help yourself by losing weight. And I was like, okay, understood. Like, that's something that I can do before we go down any other routes. Like you have an MRI and you find out what it is. And then I lost 30 pounds and my leg has felt significantly better. It's not perfect. I still have another 30 I want to lose. And so once we get to that point and you feel like, all right, this is probably where I can sit at a weight, then you can think Mm -hmm. about other options that might work out for you. Like, you know, those are the, but I, I, it hit me once when I was watching a commercial and they were talking about, it was, a, I think it was like a health insurance or a healthcare commercial. And they were showing people at like the cell phone store asking tons and tons and tons and tons of questions. Then they showed the same person at the doctor's office and the doctor's like, so do you have any questions? And they're like, no. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and they're like, that's, that's where that's you should thing. be asking the questions. And I was like, yeah, that's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that actually kind of got me thinking about being proactive with your health. And I think that's what I was able to do. But I know a lot of people don't. Um, you know, you've told me some stories about clients that you've reached and then they've fallen off and you couldn't get them back. Um, do you take that personally or do you kind of know that there's just going to be, I hate, for lack of a better term, collateral damage with you know, when um, it comes to people's health? I think it's twofold. I think that for number for one, um, the support system that may be prevalent or not prevalent for them plays a big role. Um, I had a client that did great um, mm-hmm. over the course of nine or 10 months, um, but their spouse wasn't supportive of their of their goals. You know, this person would have a great workout, go in, have a great lunch, and then dinner, there's a ton of fried chicken or, you know, mm-hmm. a ton of pizzas and cheesesteaks coming in. And I'm like, well, this is what he bought for dinner. And I'm like, does he know that does he know that you're working out that you're a lifestyle change it's not just working out it's not just going to the gym it's a, it's an it's a complete overhaul yeah and some people aren't you know they aren't they aren't it's hard to get someone to go 180 or 360 if they were going somewhere in the other direction for so long so having that support base having someone that is like-minded in your household having someone to say hey matt don't have that man you know you've been doing so so great you know lay off that or I'm not gonna I'm not gonna buy this stuff because you're not supposed to have it, you know. Yeah. And then when you when you get to a point where you're comfortable enough to have something, you know, that's up yeah. to you. But if you're in the the first stage of the first leg of this race, mm-hmm. you need to say, you know what? Thank you for being that that guardian and watchdog that says, hey, no, none of that. 
you know? So that's part of it. The other part of it too is that is it goes to what I was saying, where they either say, oh, training is too is too expensive, or mm-hmm. what do you call it? I had a guy tell me, um, I did his intake at, at at the gym. Intake means, you know, we take your vitals and discuss goals, whatever. And he opted not to train. And then he found out three or four months later that he had a heart condition that he had to train now. But my roster was full at the time. So I, I recommended another trainer to take him on. And he's doing great today. He's off some of the medication that they gave him and he's right. doing great. And that just shows you like the, the power of how your body can heal itself, given the right mm-hmm. food, the right amount of activity, the right amount of positive, you know, uh, you know, influences that you can have, whether it's a it's a life partner or a spouse or whoever to say to encourage you. Hey, Matt, let's get up and go run today. Or let's just yeah. go out and, you know, let's go hit the bag or something. You know, like somebody to kind of keep the heat on you, you know, yeah. when your trainer's not with you. Because your trainer's only with you three hours a week, possibly. And the other the other hours, you're, you're left to yourself. Yeah. Um, so sort of switching gears into something that's related, uh, the NFL draft is coming up, right? Mm-hmm. And leading up to the NFL draft, there is a ton of talk about the physical fitness sort of, right, of a lot of these these kids i will call them kids i mean they're you know in 20s whatever. Mm-hmm. and it's it, it's sort of ironic to me because what i end up finding is that a lot of the people that are making these assessments of these kids are not people that have ever really been at the top physical peak in their lifetime yeah like the armchair quarterbacks and you look at somebody like so mac jones is a perfect example of people saying well he's not mobile and i was like the kid threw 50 touchdowns last year like he's i couldn't do that <laughs> and and so how do you feel about the the assessments that we're making you know because like the concept of the draft is sort of interesting let's just put it that way right where we are where, where we the, the whole paradigm of the draft is interesting but how do you feel about all of these pundits all of these you know fans making these physical these assessments of people who are really at their top physical peak of whatever it is that they're doing and yet we're telling them that they're they're not like do you like what's the what is the hypocrisy behind that at least it feels well, like hypocrisy well to me um and this is just this is just me this, i'm not going to cast a broad net on the entire health industry um or coaching or anything you want to call that it all encompasses itself um a lot of the evaluation or valuations that they do is based on metrics that are like uh, that are that, that predicate. Okay, if this person can run a four two, right, without equipment on, because I honestly think they should run the forty with equipment on, fully fully loaded down, because mm-hmm. to run it bare bones in your underwear basically that doesn't mean anything. It just says that you're fast, but yeah. can you be fast in with your equipment on? You know, firefighters when they train. When they train, I have a couple of friends that are firefighters. They train with all their shit on. Yeah. Upstairs, ladders, fucking, you know, hoses. Every, they're, they're training like that for a real world experience situation. So barring that, a lot of these guys are, to me, they didn't get to that point and they're, they're hating on a kid that's there. You know, it's like the high school gym coach that peaked in high school or hurt his knee in college and like, I could have been one of the great ones. Granted, you could have been. But you now you're, yeah. So now you're you're tearing little Timmy apart because he didn't execute the, uh, you know, the the wing, you know, offense that you're running or whatever it is. So, in fairness, uh, the science is what it tells you, uh, based on these numbers that you should. If you're, you know, if you're six four, 
260 pounds, or I'm sorry, 6'8", 260 pounds, that you should be able to do X, Y, Z, right? But then we always get these, we always get these, these uh, outliers where you got guys that are just, um, I, I remember Albert Hainsworth. Remember Albert Hainsworth? Everybody remembers Albert Hainsworth. Yeah, right? Didn't look like much, but the guy was a stud. You know, the mm-hmm. guy was a stud and, you know, he got paid for it. He got paid handsomely for his for his work. So someone pretty much labeling labeling you um, as this or that, it can mess with a kid's psyche. You know, these guys sit down and listen to what's being said about them prior to the draft. These guys also, I, I don't know if, I think it's, is it Kimmel that does this? No, no, not Kimmel. Uh, I'm thinking of talk shows. Um, uh there's a show that does like they re- they make you read your like your your scouting report. And oh you, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't remember which one it is, but yeah. Yeah, I, I don't Gruden, know if it's, was it. No, no, it's not Gruden. I think it's Rich Eisen. I, he comes okay. to mind for some reason. Right. But they make you yeah they make you read your scouting report, and you this scout has no idea of who you are. They they came to a game or or two and they saw you and they. They took your entire football career and notched it down a two-game sample, and, mm-hmm. and it might have been a quarter that you played, and says, "Okay, doesn't have a great drop back, doesn't see receivers over you know forty yards, doesn't you know whatever." And then this person goes on to have a Hall of Fame career, and it's like, "What do you know? Like, you evaluate this talent as such and such, you know? If you and I got stuff wrong on our job, we would be fired, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so." Coaches evaluating, scouts evaluating. I'm like, okay, it is what it is. I'll leave you with this. When I was a kid, I thought I was pretty fast running around. I thought I was really fast until someone clocked me and says, this is how fast you are. Yeah. And that that became such a, a, a stamp on you like, oh, wow, I'm not fast. I'm not as fast as I thought I was. Because then you got four other guys that can clean your clock by a few hundreds of a second or a good second or two. And you're like, okay, I guess I'm not that fast. So once you put something on on someone, it kind of makes them feel like, wow, you know, if you're a marathon runner and your your personal best is like, I want to beat this time, mm-hmm. but then your coach, if you have a coach that's coaching you, I'm like, hey, Matt, this is where you're at. Yeah. And you, now that becomes a a hurdle. Like, oh my god, I got to beat this time. Yeah. Um. I guess the reason I asked is because I wanted to know your thoughts on just the concept of the draft, not just in football, but obviously it exists in all major sports, right? Where you have what is considered amateur athletes at these colleges, and that's another concept in and of itself, right? And these kids aren't allowed to go pro in anything until they have met some requirement that is out there that feels fairly arbitrary in a lot of ways. And I think that the way that they evaluate isn't necessarily wrong. Like having the combines, having those, you know, pro days and all that stuff. To me, you want to get a sense of that person. But like, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like the that there should be some in between, you know, where you can go pro, but then like an XFL level instead of having to be required to go to like a, a university to do that? Like, how how do you think we we are with the draft? Because I know a lot of people feel that it's archaic and that there's, you know, systemic sort of racist ideas behind it. I, I mean, I I think basketball does it right with their, their D-League mm-hmm. um, because there's an in-between. And then, of course, you can, you can go try your rare, your rare wares in Europe or wherever, Canada, wherever you want to go play um, when it comes to NFL because there is another football venue oh, yeah. somewhere else. But when it comes to, like I said, when it comes down to the draft, a lot of the things that are missed is the maturity that these guys should have. 
Um, it's it's you know you're it's the reason why physically a 12th grader can't go right to the NFL. You know, 18 mm-hmm. year old kids should not be playing NFL football for a lot mm-hmm. of reasons, right? Yeah. But you got to do at least two years of college or something like that. Basketball, they used to be uh, right from high school. Then there's the college one and done. But again, you know, you're you're taking a child essentially to put them in. You remember Freddie Adu? Yes. 13, he, I think. Yeah, 13, turned pro, pro, mm-hmm. and played major league soccer in his country. Yeah. 13 years old. That's eighth grade. Ninth, if you, grade. if you, yeah, ninth, eighth or ninth grade, you're, you're a pro athlete that can't even go with the guys to a strip club or to have a beer after the game. You just have to go home and do homework, but you're a pro athlete. So a lot of, a lot of the, of the, I guess the pomp and circumstance of it deals with, you know, what, what you've done, what's the, what's the resume look like? What's the, what's the thing that you do? Boxing is, is the sport that you can go pro at 18. Uh, in Mexico, you can go pro at 15. So when a guy's like, you know, 40 years old, this guy's had hundreds of fights, probably had a hundred pro fights easily, you know, amateur wise, they might, uh, Cesar Chavez, uh, senior had a hundred and like four pro fights, but had another 300 amateur fights. And he, he would, reti- yeah. And he retired relatively young, mm-hmm. you know? And the thing is, again, you know, <laughs> the, the, the evaluation, um, because these kids now are bigger, stronger, faster mm-hmm. than what the, what the yesteryear's crop was, you know, it, it, to me, it's too much. Um, it's too much on the onus of like, okay, physically, can you hold up? You know, not everyone's going to have a Tom Brady career as quarterback. Not everyone's going to have a, a Bruce Smith at defense. Was he def- on defensive end? He played 20 years, something like that, hitting yeah. everything moving. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's always the outlier, like I said, the outliers that, that, that says, okay, this, this guy's talented. He, they, they become the prototypical thing. You know, we, we talked offline today by Julian Edelman mm-hmm. being, you know, being possibly a hall of famer or not. We both have a, a different take on if we think he is or isn't as, as of right now, because he's not done playing yet. So there's, there's some football left in front of him, think, but yeah. yeah, we think, but it's like, you know, when you look at, I think Kurt Warner said, when you look at things that you measure about a person, you can't measure how bad someone wants something. That's the one thing you cannot measure because we've seen people throw away careers, mm-hmm. you know, over nonsense, you know, John, Deshaun, Josh Gordon comes to mind. Yeah. Josh. Yeah. That's, that's tragic. And I think of, I think of Deshaun Watson possibly throwing his career away because, you know, this is, you know, this can't is, keep his yeah. hands to himself. Yeah. And, you know, and, and like I said, hopefully it doesn't get to this, this sexual assault stuff, but it's like you got evaluated. You you got to the top of your of your the pinnacle of your of of where everyone wants to go, and then you just throw it away for whatever reason. So when the scouting report comes back and it's like, hey, Matt has a great this this and that, but then he's easily rattled. He gets mad. You're like, wait a minute, whoa, what do you mean? It's like, yeah, he has a temper. Like he, if, if the play doesn't go his way, he's pissed off and he wants to whatever. Or you're, or you're a stat guy. It's like, he just cares about, hey, I know we lost, but I had eight sacks. You know, it's like, AJ Watt. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's not good. That's, that's, so the evaluation, I agree with you. It's on some level, it's, it's, it is archaic and it is, but it's, we don't have anything else to judge by. We can't take someone out of college and say, let's go play with, you know, the big boys now and see how you stack up. 
it is interesting only because uh like the i feel like the the nature of the job is dictates a lot of that because a lot of people will argue with me and say well you you should be able to just go pro and i'm like well okay well what kind of a job did you want you know when you were a kid well i wanted to be this well you need a college degree for that so there is a barrier to your success in mm -hmm. college you can't just automatically do that and with this pro level sports especially football where it's so violent to me there has to be some kind of a barrier to pro employment because the safety like a, a, an 18 year old kid can go pro in golf easily yeah. there's not really that baseball. much danger there right baseball yeah you could because a lot of high schoolers get drafted but there's such a heavy minor league system that those kids end up getting buried there so it makes yeah. somewhat of a sense because if you're an 18 year old kid coming out of high school let's say you're a basketball player and you think you can go pro you should have some other option besides going straight to the nba because i think that it's like you going to the d league it's like you should be able to sign up without having to go to college right if that's what you yeah. want to do you shouldn't have to go to college to then all of a sudden go to the d league like the whole point of the developmental league is so that you have some space to be a semi-pro mm -hmm. just show if you're ready for the big club football that's really tough because it's similar to boxing where you get wear and tear like that takes a toll on you there so yeah. i always felt like the reason why football specifically didn't allow for players to just go immediately to the pros is because you're right an 18 year old physically and mentally is not known like i'm trying to imagine a high school senior going up at quarterback going up against james harrison in his prime like yeah wow yeah. i mean the guys yeah. are bigger stronger faster at all levels you see it from college to the pros even mm -hmm. the elite guys in college have an adjustment period because they're used to getting on the outside on like the running backs are used to making the edge and then all of a sudden everybody's as fast as you are yeah they everybody's all american that's everybody's right. all american <laughs> everybody's right. all american you know and yeah and so i find it interesting only because we do tend to we don't take our physical fitness seriously in our personal lives you know as a as a country right we're we're having the highest obesity levels and part of that is because there are so many bad food options that are so readily available for us we're yeah. not incentivized to eat well but yet we're taking shots at these athletes who are putting the work in to be at their peak condition and we're like oh he's a bum i'm like he's a bum yeah. like he's a, he's a pro <laughs> yeah i mean we i mean uh you know we're picking on football and boxing for some reason so we'll kind no, of keep I mean, no 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 well i'm making the parallel here like a lot of boxing coaches when they're done fighting yeah they become these big guys you know they because boxing oh, yeah. is a boxing is a sport boxing is a sport that you know you you stay in shape uh shout out to bernard hopkins because he was probably the only guy i can remember that the guy walked around fight ready he ate and slept and lived boxing where he was the guy that you can actually call for a, a replacement fighter if someone was out of contention. I'm like, hey, you want to fight this guy? Yeah, I, I need to like a week. I'm, I'm in shape, but I, just, I need to study that guy to prepare for him. But mm -hmm. I'm ready to go. Where other guys would walk around, like Roberto Duran walked around in the 180s, but but he would fight at welterweight, you know, yeah. or or something. You're like, what the f Like, how is that possible? Tito Trinidad, same thing, you know, blow up to 180, 190. And when they when they're done with the game, their their habits go away. Football is the opposite, you know. Look at uh, Joe Thomas. Is it Joe Thomas? Yeah, um, Jeff Saturday too. I think was the same yeah. Day. Like these guys, yeah, these guys were huge guys, 
And it's like, well, I'm no longer playing, so I don't need to eat like that anymore. I don't, I don't need to lift like that anymore. I'm, a, I'm gonna have a normal life. I'm just gonna go back yeah. to, you know, whatever. And they lose a ton of weight. You're like, wow, this, this guy looks great, you know. So, it's like, uh, how many, when it comes to the, to nutrition in the NFL, I remember watching uh, Hard Knocks, where they were going to a cafeteria and it's like regular food. You would think that these highly tuned athletes are, are eating, like there, there's a nutritionist in there saying, hey, you guys have to eat this. But linemen have to bulk up. They have to get mm -hmm. bigger, you know? Yeah. And the amount of calories that these these other guys are putting on so much muscle that have to ingest. So they're they're eating pizza. They're eating this. They're eating that. And you're like, well, how is this possible? You know, Chad Johnson talked about eating McDonald's every day. Like, he's like, I don't, I don't, I eat McDonald's every day. Like, he, he literally, and people thought he was joking around, but every coach that had him was like, yeah, he ate, he came to meetings with McDonald's. Big Macs and, and Quarter Pounders and, uh, and McMuff. I was like, how? But, you know, the guy's physically, you know, physically a, a genetic freak. It's crazy. Do you think that uh, the guys that are like that, that it eventually catches up to them in a way? Oh, like, yeah. And I mean, while they're playing, like, do you think that the guys that take the food part of it, the nutrition part of it a little bit more seriously, or do you think it's position dependent? Because wide receiver being cut is and, and lean is more what you're looking for, whereas a lineman, you want to bulk up. So like your nutritional needs and your weightlifting needs are a little bit different. But do you think that like there were times where, okay, so yeah, his body can process McDonald's every day, but mm -hmm. what's in it is still not good for him correct long-term yes. basis so do you think that there are players that felt invincible in the moment because they are genetically superior in that way but then maybe their careers would have been a little bit different had they been on a better nutritional plan so so he, he, here's the thing about that and this is again this is my personal opinion uh it's Cleve's opinion and Cleve's opinion as a trainer and how i believe things should go now there's been a lot of studies and a ton of studies about plant-based diets now being superior to animal protein diets, right? And when it comes to performance and, and output and power you know, generation and all that kind of good stuff. So that's what I'm studying right now. And there's been a lot of evidence that a plant-based athlete, um, you know, meat is not really the thing anymore. Um, yeah. our, our bodies, the way our bodies are, are are reacting to how meat's now raised and processed, and you know now there's a choice between grass fed or wild caught or whatever. When we were kids, your mom just cooked a steak that was, hey, this steak was raised in Vermont somewhere, and that's it, or Where's Wisconsin or wherever. Yeah, that's, that's it. it like, yeah, it wasn't there wasn't any choice with that. Um, think about you brought up Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon had one of his best seasons as an alcoholic, which he didn't, he wasn't eating right. And he was drinking a lot more than eating. Yeah. And the guy outperformed a lot of guys in his, in his position. I mean, he, I think it might've been a pro bowl season, I think, you know, and it just that, goes to is, show you. Is that an outlier? Is that an outlier? Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's just some, some people have a different reaction to how, um, things are, things are done. When I was a kid, we didn't, we weren't allowed to have sweets at all. Like it was like birthday, Halloween. That's it. Basically. Like if you, if you got sweets, it was brought into the home by one of the, you know, mother or father, but you just didn't go out and just buy a ton of candy. 
And if yeah. you did, you better eat it outside, not bring it in the house because it was like, you're not supposed to be eating that. Um, but some kids, that's all they ate. You know, where I had friends that if I had a chocolate cake for dessert, they were having like a couple of Snickers. And I'm like, what? Hey, how do you have that? for like at, or, or before dinner. Remember yeah. the old, hey, that, that's oh, going to yeah. ruin your dinner. And you're like, yeah. really? Like, you think it's going to ruin my dinner? I had four already before I got in the house. You know, I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat all that food right there. So it's just to me, these habits, they start when you're, when you're young, same as working out, you know, there's some guys that get to the, get to the combine and have to be coached on how to bench press properly, how get coached on how to squat properly, where in college or high school, you should have learned that. Yeah. But some guys, you know, some guys are naturally gifted to get past all of that. And then when they're put into a position, correct position to lift this load, they're like, I, yo, my knees hurt. I'm like, how's, how is your knees hurting? That's the correct position. And you're like, well, I do it like this. And their feet are turned out or whatever. And you're like, oh, I see you're compensating. That's why, you know, because your body's so much out of alignment from, from just doing things one way or another way. And it never caught up. Same thing for eating. You know, a lot of, a lot of people, would, we would meet them and be like, well, how's your macros? What is macro? And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I'm like, do you know? Then you have to have this conversation about eating. And you're like, I'm actually having a conversation with a full-grown adult about how much to eat of what. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and they're looking at you like, well, I just, I, I just have a plate and then I have seconds. And I'm like, man, mm-hmm. you're not full yet? No, I'm good. I'm good. It's crazy stuff, man. Yeah. Crazy stuff, brother. Yeah. Um, and we're certainly not, uh, we're not helping ourselves with, I mean, I will say this for myself personally. Um, like I know what's good for me. I know what's bad for me. Like, could I go to an all plant-based diet myself? I don't know if I could because I'm not looking to be at my peak physical, you know, fitness for a profession. I want to be as healthy as possible. So there are certain concessions that I will make in certain places so that I can do that. Um, but I think it's just so much easier with DoorDash now where you can get anything and like the options are out there. Like even in, even in this town, like, I mean, there's good shit all over the place that mm-hmm. we, it's so easy to be like, eh, I don't feel like cooking tonight. So let's go grab, you know, blah, blah, blah. I had, I had someone tell me I don't get blue apron or blue or, or because I have to cook it. I'm like, they well, we get home, it, we get home chef they, and it's awesome. Yeah. I'm like, they've given you everything you need. Just put it in the oven or. Like yeah. you have everything set up, the portions, everything is done for you. But again, it's like, you know what? It's too much for me to stop my busy day from watching Netflix or gaming or whatever to say, well, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to cook this meal. Have you ever had someone cook you something and it just tastes horrible and you've had this thing a hundred times yep. and you're like, mom, did you, did you just rush through that? I don't even taste the love in it. Like you just like, you, like you must've been busy. Because you make that all the time and it tastes like shit. It's dog shit today. And you're like, you're like, well, yeah, I was kind of like rushing. So and I can tell because it's it's the proof is in the pudding, you know? Practice, <laughs> practice. Yeah, no, no pun intended. Practice makes makes perfect. Now you're a dad now, right? Yes, I am. And you're you're gonna be responsible for your kids' nutrition up until they're in high school or so when they when they're gonna make their own dinner choices and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the time you're eight years old, we all have things that we just don't eat. You know, I don't like lima beans. So your mom was like, you know what? I'm tired of fighting with you, mad about lima beans. So we're not just not going to just not going to have it. So you have to now, in knowing what you know, 
you have to kind of create this 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 thing for him where eating to him is going to be obviously for survival but it's also going to be for his health benefit if he if he's going to play sports and things of that nature it's like mm -hmm. okay this is how you have to eat this is how we have to kind of guide you in eating you know with preparing home cooked meals and 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 things of the like yeah and of course right now all he wants is chicken nuggets and mac and cheese so we're fighting the of uphill course, battle yeah. here folks <laughs> <laughs> although right uphill battle all the time where the you know how they always joke about how the the most asked question in a relationship is what's for dinner tonight for us it's what the hell are we going to feed this kid because yeah. he eats although ironically he eats tofu so there you go <laughs> um and that, that right yeah he does he eats tofu with graham cracker crumbs on it like, oh wow and he scarfs it up scarfs it up like he just loves it but unless we're feeding him something from our plate directly it's like a bird it's like you have to chew it up and like spit it out and he'll be like yeah i'm good this looks good like yeah my wife was eating a quesadilla and he was eating the same exact kind of quesadilla wouldn't eat the one on his plate and just reached for hers and she's like yeah it's the same thing i i don't like, it just what, looks what it looks it just looks better from that angle she told me a story <laughs> yours that looks better <laughs> she told me a story that blew my mind and i need to figure out if i did this as a kid but apparently her mom would make like the instant iced tea or whatever and chris hated it except if it was out of her mom's glass and i was like what <laughs> <laughs> has magical was, properties yeah yeah and that's what she said and uh, so speaking of meals um you know this leads into into our, our our weekly segment so i'll uh play the sounder we'll get right into it and you know what that means it's cowboy of the week so before we get into that i want to tell a story about what what, what would have been mine two weeks ago so we have home chef um and we've been getting it since the pandemic it's been a godsend because when we couldn't get you know certain things at the beginning of the pandemic uh being able to have meals was was really important so every mm. week we have every week we have to pick meals right and okay. i i'm looking at the pictures and thinking or you know i'll read the descriptions and i'm like oh that sounds good so we picked the meals and this one sounded really good and it's kind of like a shepherd's pie sort of a thing and we pick like the healthier options so we get it and i'm looking at the instructions for it and it's like oh you have to boil potatoes for it like 20 minutes and the prep time was like an hour and 15 minutes and i was like what the hell and i looked at the recipe name and it was called cowboy pie and i thought i didn't even follow my own rule like i got cowboyed <laughs> by the meal service and i got everything i deserved it was such a pain in the ass to make and so um i was would have been cowboy of the week two weeks ago so i thought that was a good story but who do you who it was i couldn't believe it i was like cowboy pie okay i deserve that i deserve that mm. i looked at just the picture and i was like yeah that looks good didn't didn't read the directions or anything and uh, mm -hmm. I got all the smoke that was coming to me. Let me tell you. Mm. So who do you have this week? So I actually have, it's not a person. It's a school, um, North Carolina University. Uh, so Roy, Roy Williams steps down, mm -hmm. um, left the program. Um, yep. Don't know, you know, what, what caused, you know, caused the rift or whatever. But they hire Hubie. It's a Hubie. Um, God, I could, could never get his name. I think it's Hubie Davis. I want to mm -hmm. say that I might be wrong. Um, okay. This is the first coach in the history of their program uh, of color. And we always talk about the first um, to do something and, and, and stuff like that. And they made a very big kind of like thing about it, but did not really because they was like, well, we're just hiring a coach. And I, and I think in this context is that, 
if you're hiring the first black coach ever in the school history, school's history, it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not talking ticket tape parade through downtown Main Street of North, you know, of of Chapel Hill. But what I'm talking about is that you make kind of like, you know, hey, this is a big deal for us. And we're going in another direction because the school is like 200 something years old or whatever. So I just look at it like when it comes down to the first of doing things, we've gotten to the point now that there's certain things that are long overdue and there's certain things that like there should be some kind of pomp and circumstance for to say, hey, you know what? This is a big deal for us. And I'm glad that we're doing this um, and stuff like that. Um, my honorable mention um, would have been Draymond Green because he, he he well, you know, I don't know if you read the story, but whatever, but he basically <laughs> he's he, he's not a great advocate for anything, in my opinion, but. If you're not versed on talking about equality of equal pay for equal play, then shut the fuck up because he just doesn't make, he's just kind of tone deaf and he's kind of like the person in the room that's kind of like, I see the car accident, but man, that's a great car that got wrecked there. You know, like, but there was an accident, you know, like he doesn't see, he doesn't see like the reality of, of things because he's getting paid handsomely for what he's doing for a living. Yes, good honorable mention. Um, so my cowboy of the week is also not a person, but it is an entity, and it is the WWE. Um, mm. So this past weekend was WrestleMania weekend. It is their Super Bowl every year. It is the 37th installment. Um, oh. And so this was, they, they had um, two things that took place that kind, of, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Well, first they had fans. Uh, 25,000 fans in wow. campus, Tampa Stadium. They were dispersed very similarly to the Super Bowl where it was like there was, uh, I think, vaccinated people were allowed to be near each other. They had to show cards and stuff like that. So there was there were precautions taken. A lot of people wearing masks and they had the um, the same cardboard cutouts that they had at the Super yeah. Bowl to kind of make it look good. Um, so they split it into two nights, which they did last year also because last year was way different. They didn't have it. They had it with no fans. And they tried to make it like a spectacle. They were in Boxing Corner. So this mm -hmm. year they did two nights. And what they did was they, first of all, they had Hulk Hogan hosting it, which at this point, like, brother, get out of here. Um, Jesus. This guy Hulk Hogan, not go away. <laughs> well, Hulk Hogan got booed. So uh, perfect. Right? So there's that. So it's, it's very stupid that they keep trotting him out there. And they made him co-host with another black dude. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> He's got he has got to like make up for his gas. I don't know. He's got to do oh, something. I don't know what he's doing. So I love Hulk that. Hogan though. I, I love Hulk Hogan. I just no, I just don't see why he's just why he's still in the game. I, well, that's what I'm talking about. Like I don't need to see him on that kind of like fine. Do what you want to do offline. Twitter feud with Iron Sheik. I don't really care. Um, that's fine. But the other thing they did is the, in splitting it in two nights is they had um, a women's match headline the first night. So two years ago, the WrestleMania that I went to was the first time uh, a women's match had ever truly headlined a WrestleMania. Like they closed the show. It had never happened. Uh, this time it was two women of color and um, a black woman won the title right off of another off of uh, another black woman. And the reason why I call it like the cowboy moment is because instead of having it on one night and actually allowing this to have its own like to truly be the main event. They had it on night one and to me it feels secondary to night two because the dudes highlight you know headlined the second night 
And then you had one of the people saying like, well, it doesn't really matter what race they are. It's just a matter that they're they're headlining it. And I was like, no, it actually does make a difference because WWE has had way too many firsts when it comes to women in general recently. And I mean, I saw their first true black champion get crowned. That was only two years ago. And by the way, he <laughs> jobbed out to Brock Lesnar like six months later. So <laughs> I just felt like, this whole we're making history and i was like no you're not you're splitting it into two events so that you can say that you're making history but you're not actually doing it because if you were you would be actually doing having the balls to have them headline the whole damn thing, thing. yeah it's, it's it's you check you check the box basically that's the check way the i box. feel about it that's the way i feel about it for sure so my honorable mention this week is uh senator john cornyan because uh, he tweeted about how Biden is not doing uh, many press conferences. He's not doing many interviews. And his tweets are, uh, I believe he called them like so ordinary or whatever. And he questioned if Biden was actually in power. And then Ted Cruz tweeted a picture of Weekend at Bernie's and said, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, all right. Man. Right. The, oh, we're still my on God. The, we're, we're still on this whole train about Biden's not. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm doing your job. About, it's yeah, doing called, job. <laughs> not only called doing your job, but the other thing is we just spent the last four years of a totally overexposed president in all of the wrong ways. And so maybe this is the this is the correction to it for a while. It'd be like, you know what? We're going to sit back. We got a lot of shit to take care of, specifically getting the country out of this pandemic at some point in time. Get so <laughs> we don't really um, owe the like we, we don't really yeah. not owe the public information, but like. What is the what is the benefit of him sitting down and saying the same things over and over and over again? We heard the same shit from Trump for four years and not all that much changed whenever he came out and said something. As a matter of fact, it made things worse most of the time. I can count on one hand without the thumb being involved how many pressers that I've watched at the White House briefings. Yeah. I like or at least watched to in its entirety. Like I've watched maybe 10 seconds and I'm like, okay, nothing's going on. There's no comet hitting the planet. There's no, you know, loose tiger or something in the zoo. You know, it's just like, okay, we're good. And I'm going about my life. So yeah, I mean, it's like being on a job where there was commotion every day and all of a sudden it's like, hey, well, I'd never see my boss because they're doing their job behind that door. Like they're, they're working. <laughs> like, well, yeah. Fuck? And I also like, People so obsessively watched the press conferences before. And then the best part, too, was uh, the former press White House press secretary, Kayleigh McEnany, being like, the White House needs to stop lying to us. And I'm like, oh, really? Wow. <laughs> Speaking of that pot calling the kettle black. Wow. Uh, <laughs> she said that? Yeah, she, she said it on Fox she, News, of course. So yeah, it's not she's, surprising. She's the runner up for the cowboy, <laughs> cowboy of the of the probably the decade. Yeah, it was like a headline. It was like, stop lying. And I was like, uh, okay. wow, like that. OK, yeah. so I think the whole thing is just to me. I didn't want to make it the 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 initial one because it's like I'm so tired of all that banter back and forth. And um, talking about something like WWE is much more entertaining to me because it's something that I like. Um, and I also have to say, too, I, I should give props to WWE. I just bash them. But their business has been hit so hard by the the pandemic because one of the things in sports in general but like their sport in particular because they are trying to fabricate uh you know excitement in a sport based off of choreographed action and choreographed stuff and crowd reaction is at the paramount of what makes things good or bad in that and when 
Watching it over the last year, I found it very difficult to watch because you don't have an organic reaction to it. And with boxing, you know, you focused on some different things where you're like, you can hear the shots, right? You can yeah, hear the it, it made it, yelling. It stuff. made it, yeah, it made it more, it made it more visceral and it made it more barbaric, to be yes. honest with you. And Those so shots it, this weekend. Yeah, it, it added something to it in a way because you, you were able to take it in a different way. And for me, it was like when they started pumping in crowd noise, like you don't have those moments. It's hard to figure out what's good and bad because everything feels the same. Everything feels flat. So the fact that they've managed to stay afloat and still, you know, do some good things over the last year, I should give them props for that because I can't imagine it was very easy, um, you know, trying to navigate that, especially for the first few months when they had no fans and they were doing it in their like training facility. So, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, the, what I, what I, I didn't get to see obviously in the, in, in the wrestling, but, um, I did see that, uh, Kane got put into the hall of fame. That was actually awesome to see, uh, his speech his speech was actually pretty, pretty cool. So a lot of people dumped on that because, uh, he's obviously the mayor of that small, of that town in Tennessee and yeah. he was an anti COVID person. So he was like. And they're like, his politics have ruined it now. And I was like, I get it. Okay. We're, we're, like, we're separating the man from the from what he did. Like, yeah. We're also celebrating a fucking character. We're not celebrating yeah. <laughs> Glenn Jacobs. I was like, I get it. But like, that's the other thing. And we've talked about this where people conveniently want to make human beings out of these wrestlers, except when they're not like, they're not getting the storylines that they want. It's like the guys retire and everybody's like surprised that the undertaker is into big guns and in like, you know masculinity and i was like he's fucking from texas like what do you expect like hello <laughs> like right and it's not a knock on him it's just like like just because he was an iconic character of your childhood doesn't mean that he's somebody that you should put on a pedestal the undertaker the character is not the same guy right is not the same guy um you know mark calloway is not the undertaker he is yeah. who he is as a human being and it's just like hulk hogan like yes. hulk hogan the character is fantastic He's old now, uh, but, but I, like, yeah, I, I think Hulk Hogan like is Hulk Hogan now. Like he's no longer no, Terry, whatever. Like, yeah, and that's the thing about that. Rick it's Flair. like you you make a good a good point. Yeah, Rick, exact. Like that's the one I was going for. Like where on his tombstone will be probably the name Ric Flair somewhere on the tombstone. Like it's just the persona becomes you now, and and you can't separate the the two. I remember. Mm -hmm. The Undertaker was talking on um, on Joe Rogan, and he said that he said I I literally had to walk around my entire life in character. Like I I'm in a supermarket, people are saying hi to me, and I want to say hi back, but I got to be this jerk off and just kind of walk, you know, walk in a in a trance or whatever. Gives him the, gives him this and yeah, and I'm the like rest in peace. Yeah, I was like, bro, you have a coupon. And he's just like, fuck you, you know, like, and <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I just I just look at those those things because you know. I don't care about Kane's politics. I care that, that the guy said that, you know, I came from this, I came from that, found something I was good at. And here I am, a kid that was a, a fan of this, and then I'm now in the Hall of Fame for it. I can I can appreciate that from the other thing. Now, if he was a child molester or some shit like that. Way different. Then I'm, yeah, then I'm like, okay, <laughs> we're putting politics in with who this person played as a character. Like, it's... I just I don't know maybe I'm crazy but I'm like you know if the rock kicked the kitten do you hate the rock for the rest of his life no you know but he kicked the but, kitten but that's but that's how that's how cancer culture is it's like it's like you you do 
you know, you explained to me that uh, that Sly is friends well went golfing with with Trump, and now he's like he's supposed to be like this bad guy. Yeah, and you're like, well, that's how does that what? work? But I I don't understand why we make that jump so easily, and we make these assumptions about people. Like I get it, okay? Like Plain is, uh, excuse me, Kane has gotten himself into politics. But that's who he is as a human being, right? Like that person, Glenn Jacobs, that's who he is. He always was that person, but you just didn't think of it that way because he's a character. Like, and yeah. that's the thing is like the human being is one thing. The character is another. Like, I don't like Hulk Hogan, the human being, but Hulk Hogan, the character is something from my childhood that I always liked. Right. And even hearing the theme song, it still gives me that feeling. Right. See, see, Fire see, theme for, song, by the way. Yeah. See, for me. <laughs> For me, it was Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, um, the cart the the cartoon show when oh, I was a kid. Yeah, you know, um, and like I said, I just I never separated Hulk Hogan from Terry, whatever his name is. I never separated that. I never separated you know some some people. You know, um, Lawrence Taylor's LT, but he's also Lawrence Taylor. You know, and it's just like you got to look at the okay, the on the field stuff, off the field stuff. It's kind of like you know, it it makes the person total, but it's like I enjoyed the the career that he had, but didn't enjoy some of the life choice that he made. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, are you kidding? You know, but you know, it, it, it comes down to, you know, when you look at yourself, you know, um 10 years ago, I was probably a different person from what who I was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. But but it shouldn't, if I'm friends with someone that someone doesn't doesn't like i can appreciate it that someone says hey man i don't i don't think that you're that, that's a good friend of yours okay i understand but i know the person a little bit better because again you find out about certain things that people do or have done and says well, you know what guy's a jerk off but he helped so many people in his in in the backdrop you yeah. know um mike tyson again is a very good friend of trump's and when he got into a lot of legal trouble trump helped him out whether that was for his own his own financial gain or whatever it was or notoriety. Someone he went to someone and someone hooked him up. And and this is a, this doesn't change the narrative on on what Trump showed us who he is or whatever. But no. it doesn't condemn you to being like okay, this person doesn't deserve to have a friend. Like it doesn't mm -hmm. make sense to me. It's just like Sly doesn't make. I'm not a friend of you know of him to say well okay I'm I'm, I'm not cool with that. Give a fuck about that. Has nothing yeah. to do with me. It has nothing to do with me. Yeah, do whatever you want to do. By the way, uh, LT, great segue there because uh, famously headlined WrestleMania 11. So there you go. Um, and that was actually funny because uh, he was, you know, it was 1994, maybe 95, maybe or something like that. So he okay. was outside of his playing days, I think, or he might have yeah, been. Yeah, yeah, you know, right? yeah. He was done. But like, he was done like in 92. 92 but he was done, just outside. So he was still yeah. in really good shape. But I remember looking back on that, and he was so gassed. And he was a you know, prime athlete, and it shows you how difficult wrestling is, where he fought Bam Bam Bigelow, who was like a 350-pound fat guy who could move around like he was 150 pounds. So it was tough, but good, good segue there. Um, you, know, <laughs> you know, we could. You know what? <laughs> you know what? Made me appreciate, and we could for for me to end on this. Mm -hmm. Vader, remember Vader, right? Big Vader. Oh, Big Van Vader. Yeah, him Recently flipping died. off. Yeah, I didn't know that. Rest in peace. Him, him back flipping off the turnbuckle. It shows oh, yeah. me how athletic you have to be, 
and the trust that someone that you're flipping to land on, that you're gonna land the right way, your 380 pound bodies flipping towards them and their knee could just easily tuck and smash your chin or your side of your face or break your neck. It, it made me appreciate, I know it's choreographed, but it's the lens of the athleticism and the diets and what we were talking about earlier, where these, these guys are suffering real injuries, real mm -hmm. injuries. You know, for the entertainment of us to cheer for for this. It's insane. And the difference between an athlete getting hurt and a wrestler getting hurt is an athlete gets taken off the field of play. They get, you yeah. know, like in the moment, the game yep. continues. In wrestling, the show must go on. Triple H famously tore both of his quads off the bone at the beginning of a match, and they still had a 20-minute match after that. Jesus and he's got to you know hit all of his spots or as they call it getting their shit in um and that's the one thing about wrestling that when people say it's fake i'm like yes the outcomes are predetermined even the violence is predetermined but it's a dance and it's a dance where both partners have to be in sync because bret hart has said his whole he's like i never injured anybody my whole career never yeah. once and like that's something that they take pride in that never yeah. having been never having injured another person whereas steve austin Owen Hart broke his neck by accident, and I'm sure yeah. Owen never got over that because, yeah. God, yeah. I almost could have ended his life. Yeah, I remember Tara telling me something because she's a, she's a huge wrestling fan, and we we are two like from two eras, like we we like people from two eras. And she said to me, watching I think the Divas or something like that, there was a girl I forgot who it was, but she said no one wanted to work with her, and someone sat her down on the show and says, listen. Like the reason that you're not getting any any looks is because you're you first of all you're too you, like you're too rough. Reckless. Too Second, reckless. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Second of all, it's like it's like you're not trusting that this person is gonna like so if you're laying out and they're gonna flip on you, you can't move. You can't like put your elbows up because this person is gonna land on you and maybe break their rib or something. So like mm -hmm. it's a it's a trust that I'm not gonna hurt you and you're not gonna hurt me, but this is gonna be a great looking show and the violence is gonna look great. So, you know, like I said, hats off hats off to that stuff because I, I just couldn't when I saw Vader do that a few years ago, I'm like, holy shit, this guy like 380 pounds. Yeah. And um, but a shout out to anybody who is is an athlete, anybody who's in their their peak physical you know condition. Taking care of yourself is not something to take for granted. So anybody, whether you're an athlete or you're just stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad and you're putting your, you know, your energy into your fitness, um, you know, all power to you because uh, we only get one life. Uh, and, you know, rest in peace to uh, DMX. <laughs> Complicated dude, yeah. but, uh, you know, tragic ending. And uh, Prince Philip, of course, was 99. It's amazing. Those two guys died in the same week, and yet one of them was 100 almost, and the other one was 50 and lived a super yeah. rough 50 years. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. You know? So uh, anybody yeah. who who's out there taking care of themselves, God bless. Um, so before we get out of here, uh, you know, hopefully going to be back, you know, again next week. Things have gotten a little, a little crazy, but, uh, you know, it happens in life. Uh, we are mm -hmm. podcast hosts on the side of all the other shit we're trying to accomplish, <laughs> uh, including paying those damn bills, which keep coming and coming and coming. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the way that it is. But, um, you know, I look forward to, to next week. I'm sure we'll have plenty of Cowboys to talk about. Uh, for those of you who are just hitting us up, uh, Cowboy Season Podcast on IG, I had somebody contact me this week telling me that they like what we're doing, and, and that was the first time that happened. So uh, good stuff. And then, of course, 
uh, MattySmedia.com, and you can find the manual there. When are you uh, coming out with a new manual? I know your fans are. Oh uh, yeah, I'm looking to do something this Friday. I have something set up. Um, I got a backlog of a backlog of guests, and uh, sadly enough, it's just coming out and scheduling, which yeah. tells me that. You know, things are getting a little busier uh, in the world. Obviously, we're not uh, by any stretch out of the pandemic, but no. things are looking, looking on the up. So please continue to be vigilant for yourself and for others. And, you know, if you haven't gotten vaccinated, try to get that appointment and get vaccinated. I know there was news today about the Johnson & Johnson one, um, but the, given the, the numbers, and I, I hate to say it this way, but, you know, chances of six people out of six million, Mm-hmm. It's one in six, <laughs> like literally, um, you know. But nobody wants to be that 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 you know unlucky, that unlucky. But again, this is a deadly, uh, deadly situation. Still, other other countries are still locked down. Canada right now is experiencing a, a, a uptick for their third wave. So, you know, we're seeing events where fans are coming back a little bit. But um, yep. you know, based I think baseball is not doing it right. But that's just me. Uh, because of given how many games they have in a season, they have their entire season to play. And I would have hoped that they would have waited at least until after Memorial Day or maybe June to say, hey, let's open the floodgates. But Texas Stadium to have an entire the entire thing filled. Make me a little Tex- nervous. Texas, baby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Uh, let's get out of here. Um, I'll talk to you obviously before next week, but uh, on this show, we'll talk to you next week and uh, stay safe out there, my guy. You too, bro. Peace.